From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Coming up to five minutes past seven here at Liberty NZ with me, Grant Edwards, and we're going to look at the short forecast, but before we do, we'll look at the current extremes. Well, firstly, uh, what have we got here? Uh, We have, we have, I'll just... Adjust my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, okay, we have got uh, a Banks Peninsula. They've got the highest temperature at the moment right now at five past seven, eighteen point two degrees. Eastern Rangitaiki, eight point seven degrees, and the wind's picked up at Castle Point now, sixty-five kilometres per hour. Hokitika, it's eased off a little bit there, two point two millimetres per hour. All the temperatures are in pretty much double digits apart from the Eastern Rangitaiki. Yep, all looks pretty much the same. It's pretty, a bit cool where I was, though, an hour, half an hour ago. It was uh, 7 degrees, may have picked up. Short forecast for North and Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty. Cloudy periods, isolated showers turning to rain this evening. For Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, generally fine until a few spots of rain come from in the afternoon. Uh, for Waikato to Wellington, including the central high country and Wairarapa, cloud increasing, isolated showers turning to rain for a time this morning and afternoon. For Marlborough, Nelson, rain at times. Buller, Western Fiordland, periods of rain, possibly heavy, easing to showers this morning and then clearing south of Hokitika. For Canterbury and Otago, partly cloudy, a few showers and early spots of early rain, I should say. Uh, rain spreading north this afternoon and evening, possibly heavy and thunder and then easing to isolated showers later, but clearing about central and north Otago. For Southland, periods of rain easing to a few showers this afternoon, and for the Chathams, cloudy periods and the old evening shower. I'll be back in a moment with some, see what the news is doing. Seven past seven. This is such a rare and beautiful moment of cognitive dissonance giving way to actual thought. If we did not take care of each other's, As a social species, we would have very, very limited capabilities of still existing. We need to band together. We need to take care of each other. We need to be friendly to one another. That's presupposing that survival is a good thing. Why is it a good thing? And why us surviving? Why not roaches or antelope? Why do you need the concept of good there? We're still surviving and we're being nice, kind to each other. Forgive me, Nathaniel, but you're stealing the standard of goodness from God's universe to try and make your worldview work. But if there is no objective, authoritative, moral standard beyond us, then atheism doesn't work. You know, I think you're right. There is something to that. The, the idea of good and evil is in a lot of ways a religious concept. Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, okay, let's uh, go. Uh, welcome back, anyway. Uh, and thanks for joining me. Grant Edwards here. Uh, the meaning of Tamaki, the most fascinating election result. When Acts Brooks Van Velden, she won the Auckland seat of Tamaki. It was a triumph of shrewd campaigning, but it was also a failure for Christian conservatism in mainstream politics, according to Radio New Zealand. And uh, we've got uh, cuts loom large as Luxon government targets the economy. Prime Minister Christopher Luxon... Luxon? Luxon. He is a greaser. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, hope he, I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. Maybe he's one of those backroom boys, you know, that just, you know... I mean, he did a good job, didn't he, of Air New Zealand? Oh, they say he did. Prime Minister Christopher Luxon, he is uh, he set his government's number one goal at fixing the economy. But, according to Radio New Zealand, economists say the task could prove a steep hill to climb. No, they'll do it. They've got they've got three three of them there. Three parties in one. Three in one, like a like a three braided cord. The tighter you pull it, 
the stronger it gets. Now, USA, USAR specialists warn poor vehicle fleet showed response to emergencies. Rather, it slows them. The country's fleet of specialist search and rescue vehicles is so bad that rescuers are beginning to rebel, according to this report. Senior doctors are routinely pressured to take on junior doctor shifts. Senior doctors are being forced to pick up junior doctor shifts on top of their own work as hospitals grapple with hundreds of vacancies. (laughs) We know what caused that. It all happened all over the world when you start putting mandates on people. All the mandates are going to be taken off. I hope that's number one priority. Get the economy on, on the track, but there needs to be a thorough investigation. Really, it, there needs to be a criminal investigation into the rollout of these vaccines, so-called these fake jabs. Deep tech sector dreaming up ways to save the planet. Police communications chief was grilled yesterday on the early warning ambulance response to mosque attacks. Iwi and council join forces as government signals cuts to co-governance. Good job, Deputy Prime Minister Peters attacks state-funded media independence. Good. Biden hopes for extension of Israeli-Hamas truce as more hostages are released. Challenging few years for some. Maori wait, uh, sorry, that Maori weigh in on the new government. Well, the voters have voted and uh, they need to end those two, those racist seats as well, those Maori seats they need to end. Let's have a look at the brief here. 71 jobs to go at Massey University as they move ahead with cost-cutting and restructuring. A cash-strapped Massey University has floated a revamped restructuring, a spelling loss of more than 71 science jobs. And Prime Minister Chris Luxon says the leading coalition government is an awesome responsibility. Newly sworn in Prime Minister Christopher Luxon said coalition partners Winston Peters and David Seymour have spoken to media after the formal ceremony in Wellington yesterday and over in sport, the Black Caps in for a hard-fought test series. Black Caps captain Kim Southie said that they are expecting a hard-fought test series even if Bangladesh would uh, be without several frontline players in the two-match series beginning in uh, beginning in Shalhet, is it? Shalhet, Shalhet, it looks like it anyway. Funny way to spell it. Got some weird ideas on spelling. Um, oh, I've got two. Oh, I've got two chooks coming up here. Must have been run out of food. I better go down and feed them. Uh, Hawks Bay and uh, big clean up mode there again. That gosh, those people tearing the hair out. Must be just about ready to give up the ghost. Traffic disruptions on State Highway One as the tangy for the headhunters gang. Uh, it, it unfolds. No, that's old news. They're all heading back now away from Foxton. What is the latest? Have we got the latest there? This is just yesterday. Came in last night. They're still there. They've got their masks over their face. You know, they're um, you know, sort of like scarves and bandanas all patched up. That's all right. They're allowed to. I, don't, I think that's silly. I think that national, national need to rein in that Mitchell, that police. If he's going to be police minister, stopping people from having, you know, facial desecration. If they want to desecrate their face, why not? Let them do it. That's what people want to do. If they're stupid enough. <laughs> A drunken night and take him down to the tattoo artist. It's usually what it is, something like that. Oh, yeah. And then they have to live with it for the rest of their life. But they certainly shouldn't have to wear a women's foundation to go out in public. That's a silly idea. And stopping gang members wearing their patches. Look, we all want to know who they are. <laughs> we want to know. And they'll just do other little things, more subtle. They'll wear the red, red shoes and red T-shirt and caps like that for the mongrel mob. They'll, be, they'll just go colour-coded. I'd rather see who they are, and I don't think you can stop people's dress. I think that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's an infringement of human rights.
What's going to happen is these laws are going to affect everybody. They always do that. Like the new laws that they brought in to, um, to try and curb gang activity, um, one of them is that they can basically just search any vehicle uh, or, and just go straight into any home without a court order. Um, and that's wrong because that, they will be used against ordinary New Zealanders, guarantee it, and it goes against the Bill of Rights. Uh, okay, so that's the gangs, and uh, they look like that's the headhunters. Crazy name, isn't it? Medical Insurance or Medical Assurance Society fined $2.1 million for overcharging customers. Oh, we better have a look at that one. Uh, it's a health insurance company. The Medical Insurance Society has f- been, been fined $2.1 million for overcharging thousands of customers. The Financial Markets Authority, the FMA, took legal action against the company for breaches of fair trading rules and making false and misleading statements to consumers. The company admitted the breach, which it reported itself uh, being 2019 to 2022, and one of the issues coming to light in a renew a review rather of the FMA and Reserve Bank. Between 2014 and 22, the company effectively overcharged customers more than $6.1 million. I hope they pay that back, plus the fine. By not applying the correct discounts for multi-policy customers and no claims bonuses, and making incorrect inflation adjustments. Affected customers have now been reimbursed. Good, that's great. Financial Markets Authority Head of Enforcement, Margot Gatland, said the breaches were a widespread. They were, she said, right across the insurance group. Oh, I hope we get some money back uh, because the fundamental flaws uh, of its in its system, that's what she says, eh? fundamental flaws. Uh, they always work in their favour, though, don't they? Uh, the penalty was reduced by about a third from $3 million starting point. The company had known about the overcharging since 2014, but did not investigate until it was rediscovered in 2019. Well, I'm glad they've been hauled over the coals, made to pay all the money back, so they'll have to pay about 8 or $9 million back. That's good. Good, so they should. Deep tech sector dreaming up ways to save the planet. I wonder what that's about. There'd be sort of like a fake, fake climate change stuff. Now I've just clicked on it but then it goes to nothing. Uh, no, there's nothing there. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, what about these poor old senior doctors? That's not so good, is it? Oh, that poor old chaps. Because they're already short-staffed, aren't they? Senior doctors have been forced to pick up junior doctors, shift them on top of their own work at hospitals as they grapple with hundreds of vacancies. Now why would that be? The elephant in the room is the mandates. The, uh, and all the all the shit that people we had to go through, doctors had to go through all this rubbish, you know, people lost their jobs, you know, and then they, they're asking for them back now and people are saying, no, get stuff, and I'm not coming back, I'm not coming back to you, I'm a great doctor, I'm not a flippin' state doctor, I won't be told what to do by the state who know nothing about medicine, I've, you know, some of them studied for 20, 30 years and they were they were hauled over the coals by the... And that's another thing that the um, coalition needs to investigate, and that's the Medical Council. They need to be dismantled and rebuilt from the ground up. The Association of Salaried Medical Specialists, which represents the country's 5,500 senior hospital doctors and dentists, said this meant that they were unable to do their own work, and many were burnt out from the... I mean, well, burnt out, that's a, that's a, um, a nice way of saying you had nervous breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people they had a nervous break and they say, Oh, I had burnout. <laughs> Executive Director Sarah Dalton, she said the, uh, their contract has always allowed for senior doctors to provide cover for the junior colleagues from time to time as required. But 
that was meant to be an exception and now it's become usual and um, this here it says Tiwata Ora so that's all going to change and it should be they shall change their name back to the New Zealand, New Zealand Medical or New Zealand Health and anyway this is um, uh, Coast and Hutt Valley has been looking to implement a formal agreement for senior, uh, for senior doctors to do junior doctors shifts she said we are absolutely opposed to that and we are really concerned about, we say really, we're really, really concerned about any attempt to normalise senior doctors being routinely asked to agree to cover, uh, to do the work for the missing junior doctors. Now, where are the junior doctors going? Sarah Dalton, there she is, nice photograph of her. Um, where are they going? They're going? Where are they going to Australia? Maybe they might tell us what's happened. Speaking to Radio New Zealand at the time, hospital obstetrician gynaecologist Ed Hyde, Jekyll and Hyde, he said shortages meant some hospitals uh, I can't even be saving not very good having a, a Jekyll and Hyde in the gynaecology department, is there? No, gosh, the mind boggles. Uh, I was on call yesterday. I'm working this weekend, so it's 24 hours yesterday and 48 hours over the weekend. 24 hours, you can't stay awake that long. Uh, Ed Hyde is a young fella, young gynaecologist, there with big bushy eyebrows. And uh, so it says T. Water Aura, what's that? New Zealand Health is it? estimates the health system is short about 700 doctors in total, for which approximately 200 are on a more resident, uh, oh sorry, they are junior resident medical officers or RMOs. What's RMO again? Resident medical, medical officer. Oh yeah, okay. Um, However, Resident Doctors Association and head Deborah Powell, she said that was a massive under undercount. Oh, she said, we have over 400 vacancies for resident doctors across New Zealand, and we've been double shifting and picking up additional shifts. But unfortunately, our hours are creeping up as a result of that and starting to get back to the bad old days of 60 to 65 hours a week. What's wrong with that? Look at the truckies. They've got to concentrate for 12 hours at a time. And then they've got to have a stop for how long does they have to stop for? Is it eight hours? I can't remember. Uh, COVID, for, before COVID-19, 40% of MROs were from overseas on temporary working holiday visas, but they were no longer flocking here, and many local graduates were heading straight to Australia. Why wouldn't they? Powell said that the trend had accelerated. Well, the, the, the new coalition needs to do something about this. They need to stop the, the brain drain, stop the, um, you know, the hemorrhaging of, of, of good quality doctors and nurses but all the good ones like I said we're left with state doctors that's got it we just have to have a thorough I mean doctors have no credibility left now the ones left have no credibility they've got so much credibility to win back to the New Zealanders after all the crap that they've given us the fact they wouldn't stand up for us you know it just makes my blood boil just get, I'm just going to get angry if I go on down this track anyway uh, so I better leave it there <laughs> Because I'm just going to get angry. I'll get angry just in thinking about it. It just makes my blood boil. You know that doctors just absolutely jettisoned reason and followed the leader, listening to Tedros and, you know, criminals like him and Ashley Bloomfield, who needs to be flipping before the courts and needs to be imprisoned 
Jacinda Ardern standing there like a puppet show every every day, just brainwashing people. And Ardern coming out and saying we give them when they come into the quarantine, whatever it was, the the, the prison um, hotels where people had to come back in New Zealand, stay there for, I don't know, seven days, was it? Ten, seven days, some, somewhere around there. And uh, she's saying we give them three weeks, oh, it must have been 14 days, three weeks of sustained propaganda, she said. She used that term, propaganda, which we know is... Lies, in other words, they just basically lie to people, just extreme propaganda. Be back in a minute, 20 past seven. Uh, I remember being stunned when uh, people started cursing publicly. Having come from a yeshiva religious background, then would have the very similar response, and, and maybe even someone from, from a strongly Christian background, that we understood people say expletives, etc. But that it became normative in society. To me, that was uh, Wilson, Jane Q. Wilson's uh, broken windows. To me, the, the, the holy is the, is the window that's broken. When you break the holy, you don't immediately break the ethical. Mm. Secular people think we don't need holy stuff. That's nonsense. We just need ethics, but mm-hmm. it's not true. That's why I say it protects the ethical. Mm-hmm. Holy, 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 Ten Commandments. Mm, you're quite right. Now, I was just uh, having a skitter through here. Uh, I've got one from Avi Yemeni, and I think that's the latest one. Or when was that? I'll just click on that. No, it doesn't tell me. No, that's a short one. Um, there was something new that I found last night. And I'm not sure... Where it's gone, I wanted wanted you to hear it. I, it's from Douglas Murray, actually, and um, uh, oh gosh, I can't tell. I can't tell whether it's new or not. Um, just bear with me a moment. I'll come back because I want to find that it was actually quite good. It's a, about a ten minute report from Douglas Murray. He's over in Israel at the moment. I'll be back shortly. So those raising the Palestinian flag. Where were you when ISIS was launched in the name of Islam and beheaded tens of thousands of Arabs in Libya, Syria, and Iraq? Why didn't you take it to the streets and raise their flags and condemn the terror and call for a ceasefire? Where were you when Arab dictators and terrorists killed hundreds of thousands of Arabs in Syria and Libya? Why didn't you take it to the streets then? and raise the Syrian and Libyan flags and condemn the terror and call for a ceasefire? Where were you in the last decade when Saudi Arabia, backed by other Arab countries, killed and starved out more than 400,000 Yemenis, my country? I didn't see any of you take to the streets or raise the Yemeni flag or condemn the terror or call for a ceasefire. This calls for some self-reflection. When millions of Arabs are slaughtered by other Arabs, you say absolutely nothing. But when 7,000 Arabs are killed by Jews defending their right to exist. March 1799, Palestine. General Napoleon Bonaparte's French troops take the city of Jaffa in a bloody assault. That evening, French troops slaughter and pillage without mercy. An army doctor wrote, soldiers cut the throats of men and women, the old and young, Christians and Turks. Over the next few days, 3,000 Ottoman prisoners who'd been promised their lives were taken to the beach and massacred. French soldiers used bayonets to save ammunition. Napoleon's defense? He could not spare the men to guard so many prisoners. 
Some had been captured before and broken oaths not to fight France again. He could not feed them. There was no formal concept of war crimes in the 18th century, but Napoleon's orders at Jaffa were a lingering stain on his reputation, vigorously exploited by his enemies. There is no scenario in the heads of the Palestinian Authority or of Hamas in which one Jew is allowed to live in the Palestinian state. So if from the river to the sea a Palestinian state is created, it will mean either the eradication of all Jews in Israel or the displacement of all Jews in Israel, which means carting out every Jew from their historic homeland and either killing them or sending them somewhere else. And that would be done in the name of being anti-Nazi. There we are, Douglas Murray. 25 minutes past seven here at Liberty NZ with me, Grant Edwards. Thanks for joining me. Uh, We haven't got too many Australians, so I won't do any Aussie news right now, but uh, I want us to have a listen to uh, Professor Ed Dutton. First time I ever heard him was actually on the Vinnie Eastwood show. Does anyone know what's happened to Vinnie? Is he and him and Billy, did they get locked up or did they manage to get get out of that one? That would be most distressing. Uh, John Ansell, uh, he spent some time with Vinny uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I might ring John today. John, if you're listening, let me know what, what's happening with Vinny with his case. I forgot to ask you about that. Uh, so let's have a listen to um, John, not John Ansel, uh, the Jolly, Jolly Heretic. That's his channel. It's on. You'll find it on YouTube. It's just a short one here. It's about, um, about Ireland and what the media will never tell you about Ireland. Here is Professor Ed Dutton. Three young children, one of them aged five, were among five people stabbed in a frenzied knife attack at a school in central Dublin on Thursday. And all the newspapers and all the media in Ireland can talk about is the threat of far-right thugs. It is absolutely amazing, although in many ways predictable, that those that have advocated a policy of bringing numerous uh, immigrants from all over the world into the Republic of Ireland would would act like this and 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 project onto basically the the Irish working class that are deeply unhappy about uh, what has happened and of course so they should be. I want to be clear about this. I refer you to a paper called Psychosis um, and Urbanicity. That uh, the information that we have is that the person that in his 50s, the man who was arrested, who did this, was uh, of Algerian origin. Um, And it is suggested that he had some kind of psychotic episode. Well, schizophrenia, uh, according to this paper, is elevated among those of Arab origin uh, in comparison to those of who are native British or whatever it happens to be. We don't need to look into the reasons for this. Uh, There could be all kinds of reasons why, but it is elevated. In addition, one of the things which induces a psychotic episode in a person that has a tendency towards schizophrenia is stress and exclusion. And obviously, if you are a refugee or if you are an asylum seeker or or whatever it happens to be, you are under a great deal of stress and you will have feelings of exclusion. And so this may induce a psychotic episode. So it seems to me that it is the policies of the government of the Republic of Ireland that have... uh, by bringing uh, all of these people in, uh, which have elevated the likelihood of something like this happening. And of course, it has happened. Now, to start talking about the far right or, 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 or condemning what the 
Taoiseach has called the champions of Ireland for their response seems to me to be uh, rather unfair. Obviously, the way these people see it is that their country is being changed beyond recognition in a way which they don't like, in a way which they haven't asked for, uh, a, a country which until recently was highly nationalistic and was very proud of the fact that it had repelled uh, the British uh, from, from, its, from its land or from, from most of its land. Uh, and that, that was the ideology of the Republic of Ireland until very recently. And suddenly these people that have been inculcated with that ideology are being asked to accept a fundamental change in the nature of their country, which has clearly the potential for extremely uh, negative consequences. OK, these are outliers. Uh, I'm sure most Algerians that live in the Republic of Ireland are perfectly normal, but you're elevating the likelihood of something like that happening uh, with these policies. Now, you condemn that they, they are condemned as far right, they are condemned as thugs, but um, uh, what do you think they're going to do in those circumstances if people, if, if you have what was until recently a highly ethnocentric society, then this is going to induce a strongly ethnocentric reaction, a, rea a negative ethnocentric reaction to foreigners and to anybody that is seen to be associated with bringing uh, foreigners into the Republic of Ireland. And so look at what they attack. They attack police cars. Uh, they attack a hotel that is supposedly uh, putting up uh, uh, asylum seekers. Uh, they attack various shops, where you could argue that a lot of these shops have been basically promoting uh, the, the woke ideology. They are they are basically arms of the regime. They are arms of the of the of the of a sort of globalizing uh, internationalist regime. And so you can see how people like that, who who aren't particularly intelligent, who aren't particularly don't have particularly high impulse control, but have high ethnocentrism, ethnocentrism, and who are angry, are going to take out their fear of the police, of course, again, a symbolic of the state. Of course, they're going to attack those kinds of people. Now, what you can do is you can condemn them as thugs, which is, OK, it's just a judgmental, nasty smear. Uh, they're people that have engaged in violence. Um, or you can condemn them as far right, which is this elastic term where basically anybody that deviates from the, accept, from the accepted path of normality uh, must be reproved by being called far right and thus associated with evil. Or I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not justifying what they're doing, engaging in this disorder, but you can try at least to understand how they feel and why they feel what they feel. And um, you know, it, it, they're, they're sort of Thomas Aquinas country bumpkin wisdom, if you like. And their country bumpkin wisdom is that if you bring in uh, foreigners uh, of, of this kind, it seems to have negative consequences for society. That's their country bumpkin wisdom. And they've been demonstrated to be correct uh, with this. And you know, the data alone would indicate why such things would be more likely to happen, would be would be of elevated li likelihood to occur. So um, I think it's, um, well, it's not shocking. It's entirely predictable that the Irish establishment will try and project everything onto the, 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 the imaginary far right. Uh, or, or, or what far right seems to be uh, in Ireland at the moment is that you just want to protect Ireland and that you don't particularly like... Uh, a, a random foreigner going into a school and stabbing children, and if um, well, if that's if, if if that's far right, I'd imagine a lot of Irish people are fairly far right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before you go, I must tell you that tickets for my Liverpool meetup and for my London Christmas dinner are almost sold out. So don't miss out on the opportunity to learn about the neo-Byzantium that we are building. Click on the link below to reserve your place there now. Are you ready for the future of the West? <laughs>
there we are. That is the Jolly Heretic, and you can find uh, Professor Ed Dutton's channel over at YouTube. You will find him. He's very good, very good indeed. And uh, coming up, got Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson coming up. Twenty eight minutes to eight here at Liberty NZ with Grant Edwards. Now, um, was just having a look to see what new uh, news items have popped up before me, and we've got. Over at News Hub, the latest there is in the Middle East. This is the, the, the top story. A deal reached to extend Israel-Hamas truce in Gaza. I'll just go and have a look at that little one there, just a moment. And it says an agreement has been reached to extend the humanitarian truce for an additional two days in the Gaza Strip. Uh, a Qatari foreign ministry spokesperson said in a post on social media platform X, there was no immediate comment from Israel, but a White House official confirmed agreement had been reached. Hamas also said that it had agreed to a two-day extension to the truce with Qatar and Egypt, uh, who have been facilitating direct negotiations between the two sides. So there we are. That is that. Also, more top stories. A Kiwi woman heads to Japan to find her father, who went missing 40 years ago. That is a top story. Can you believe it? Uh, I wouldn't have thought it would be the uh, number two story on the front page at this hour of the morning, but there it is. This is what they're doing. It's a Maori thing, so I suppose. So what have we got here? A uh, Maori Japanese woman travels to Japan to search for her long-lost father who disappeared 40 years ago. Back in 1983, there was no internet, no social media, no texting. Communicating with loved ones overseas mostly involved writing letters back in the good old days. When Migoto Iri, uh, Iri, uh, looks like Iria area, Magoto area, recently began searching for her Japanese father. Handwritten letters from him preserved by her late mother for 40 years were her only precious clues. So his name is Osamu Nakamoto, uh, met Rangi era, that's in the early 1980s, and the pair fell in love, must be the mum, is it? Uh, Nigoto was the result. And so she is living in... What is he? he? He was working as an engineer, apparently, on board a, on board the Sunny Napier. That was a ship transporting logs from Napier to Japan, in Tokoma, to, what is it? Tomakomai, Tomakomai. But whether he was, where he was in the world now, it's difficult to keep in touch. Anyway, so that's good. She she's found her dad. That's really important, I think, for people. But I don't think it's a top story, is it? You wouldn't have thought so. But there it is, it is. A U.S. man accused of shooting three Palestinian students. And we've got this, uh, gosh, he doesn't look very happy, chap. It's crazy, isn't it? He looks a bit thin. Uh, The suspect was arrested uh, in the shooting of three college college students of Palestinian descent in Vermont. A local police reported early on Monday an attack under investigation uh, as a suspected hate-motivated crime. The man with a pistol shot and wounded three victims on the street near the University of Vermont in Burlington on Saturday evening and then ran away, police said in an earlier statement. A suspect identified as Jason E. Eaton, 48, was arrested on Sunday afternoon, local time. The department later confirmed. Two of the victims are U.S. citizens and a third is a legal United States resident, all 20-year-old. Um... 20-year-olds, said the police. At the time of the attack, two of the men were wearing a kefir, which is a traditional black and white checkered scarf worn in the Middle East. So they're obviously attending some kind of a protest. The victims were reported to have been speaking Arabic when attacked. 
according with which they would, wouldn't they? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. A guy flipped out, probably on drugs, probably on psychiatric drugs. Could be a returned serviceman, you know, doctors got him on psychiatric drugs. That's the big elephant in the room there with that one. You know, a lot of, a lot, most of the mass shootings, they're on psychiatric prescription drugs. You know, psychedelic drugs. They want to bring back LSD now. Little micro doses of LSD. There was an Australian um, psychiatrist. Even the whole life thing, the whole thing of psychiatry, that needs to be investigated. I think that's quackery. And physiotherapy, I think that's rubbish as well. Remember they used to rub those blimmin' things on you? They used to rub it all, I put jelly on your leg. <laughs> Some kind of a... Uh, jelly, and then they'd rub this thing all over you. And uh, I actually think it was just your own body was healing itself, but they used to make money. And, you know, even the taxpayer had to fork out for all that. What do they call that now? I can't remember. They stopped doing it. Apparently it's rubbish. So physiotherapy, that's another another one. Chiropractic, that's always been um, given a bad rap, but I think that's actually very good. And what's the other one? Osteopathy. That's a good one. Most of those people back when I had an osteopath fixed my back. Gosh, it was she was great. Uh, I did a fabulous job. I don't know was something I was doing. I think I think it was you know I was doing a lot of desktop publishing with my publishing company. And um, you know if you get stressed, sometimes you're under a lot of pressure for deadlines, and you can tense up. Anyway, I went to an osteopath. Where did I go? I think it was down there where my printer was, and uh, so I was in Auckland at the time with Intermedia Group, and, uh, or was it before then? Might have been with the other publication I had. Anyway, I think I went down to Tauranga, went to a British-trained osteopath, and they were all British-trained. There was no one in New Zealand at the time, which would have been uh, very late 1990s, and um, she fixed it. So osteopathy, that's a real good one, and chiropractor. I did go, had a car accident once. I was in Nelson. This guy pulled out in front of us. Uh, I was okay, but managed to get some chiropractor work. He was a very interesting chap, and um, he was good. Uh, so, you know, all the ones that get the bad rap, quite often they're the good ones. And this, um, uh, what we're talking about, um, oh, I can't remember now. I have to, I have to go to... Oh, anyway, I've completely lost the plot. Um, not physio, yeah, physios. I think that's quackery. I really do. And psychiatry, more, more quackery. All they do is basically the difference between a counsellor. Usually, the counsellors have all had mental breakdowns, haven't they? <laughs> that's what I find. All the counsellors, pretty much, they've all had mental breakdowns. And if they haven't had a mental breakdown, they usually get one while they're learning. <laughs> they, they start to, they're like hypochondriacs. They take on the, what they're learning about. Doctors can do that too. They actually think, oh, I think I might have that disease. But anyway, so basically the, the counsellors are basically not allowed to use drugs. But the psychiatrists, they basically just use you know, psychiatric drugs on you. Just the worst thing you could ever do. Just the worst thing to get on that treadmill, that downward spiral. It's just like going down the steps. Just going down the steps. And here we are. We see a result. I guarantee you that he'll be on psychiatric drugs. So... It says here, the suspect, oh, we got the suspect there. Two of the victims got that. The victims were reported to have been speaking Arabic. Yep. Uh, the shooting came amid a rise in anti-Islamic and anti-Semitic incidents reported around the United States since the bloody conflict between Israel and the Palestinian um, terrorist group Hamas erupted on October the 7th. And, and uh, so the families of the victims issued a joint statement earlier in the day urging authorities to investigate the shooting. Of course they're going to. As a hate crime. Oh, okay. Well, yes. Is it? Yes, I suppose it is. 
Um, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, families identified the victims as Hamish Awatani, a student at Brown University in Rhode Island. We're we interested in that here in New Zealand, probably not. Mind you, we do have a lot of Canadian and US listeners, but we'll give it a miss. Yeah, we'll give it a miss. Okay, now now we'll go back over to um, Radio New Zealand. We'll go to stuff. Oh, yeah, poor old police officer. He's described as being thrown into a tree during a hit and run. He doesn't look a happy chappy. Uh, he is um, he's convinced he was, he was convinced that he was going to die. Constable Zane Wink, uh, he held his police partner's hand and asked him to tell his family that he loved them. Oh, that's really sad. And a government is urged to protect the Hariki Gulf on the brink of collapse. I can't imagine why that would be on the brink of collapse. Should we have a look and see what the, the fake stream media is saying? Uh, the Hariki Gulf could become an underwater cemetery, this is what they say, <laughs> unless action is taken to improve environment protection in the area. An open letter to government is warning. Now, all this, actually, this is all green rubbish, um, all this is in conjunction with what's just happened up in Northland. Uh, they've come out with this new plan where people that have got land over 35 degrees, and they're going to stop them from grazing stock on it. Now, I don't know whether that's just beef or whether that's beef and lamb, but that's what they're going to do. So, um, you know, for like, let's say if that happened where I am, well, gosh, um, I would say 80% of the farm, I wouldn't be able to... <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be able to farm 80% of it. And it's just a rubbish. All it is, it's just a theft, actually. And the government's got to put a stop to it. They've got to turn that round. Um, anyway, the state of our Gulf, apparently, in 2021, the report released in August, revealed mass mortalities of fish, shellfish and seabirds are likely to become increasingly common due to the effects of climate change. Just more bullshit. This is a socialist, this is just a dream. It's far away, long ago and far away. It's an adult fairy tale. It's a socialist fairy tale. And they're not even adults, they're like children. The water of the Gulf are so are also expected to get warmer. Nothing wrong with that. It was a lot warmer. during the uh, Before the flood, it was very warm. The whole earth was very warm. And, you know, there were... There were before the flood, 3,400 years ago, the big flood that you're all denying happened, but it did happen. There's plenty of evidence for it. Um, there's, there were, there were, there was. Well, the Bible says there were. Um, it was um, just like trees, growth, just absolutely vibrant all over the earth, even in the North Pole. I don't know about the South Pole. There is no pole in the South anyway. It's just a big ice wall. But anyway, um, and we had us. I had a, I read a story out not that long ago. Of some people that were drilling up in up in the north, and uh, they drill all the time. And the, the one fellow said, "I bet you find some interesting things when you drill up." He said, "Yeah, here he is, way up on the North Pole." He says, "We drilled into an ancient palm tree <laughs> in the North Pole, which is evidence that they had palm trees growing in the North Pole, just like the Bible says. It was just like lush and green. So we need uh, it needs to be warmer. Uh, all my friends want it to be warmer." And murkier, I don't know about that. Uh, you've got to stop some of the big business polluting, some of that pollution that's going in. A, bit, a lot of council pollution is going on as well. But anyway, that's all designed. They're going, to sh- they're going to shut down people from actually going fishing, I would say. Uh, they're going to, they've already, already this year, I think, Great Barrier Island, they're going to stop boaties from going there. Uh, that is, that'll be the destruction of the island. Any businesses there will be ruined. So that'll force them to do planned retreat which is what they want. They want us all to come back into town, into the big cities, and they've got all these... Uh, they're building them all over the all over the country. Um, high-rise buildings, high-density housing, 
and um, getting the farmers off the land. This that new one that's just come out. I can't remember the name of it, but they're basically stopping. I think it's about seventy percent of Northland won't be able to farm. And you know, you can't grow pine trees and expect to f- feed the feed the world on pine, pine cones. <laughs> it's going to be a, there's going to be a real food shortage, and the government's going to end up controlling it. And I don't know if I trust these three. The uh, coalition, I think they could be as, you know, perhaps not communist, but certainly globalists, all of them. I don't know, Winston Peters, you've got some, you've got some work to do, Win- Winnie, to win back your favour. You've lied to us for so long now. Gosh, you, you lie like a Persian rug. I honestly don't believe that you're going to do anything. That uh, You know, you should. It would be good if you could actually turn it all round so that um, you go out on a high. That would be nice because this is going to be your last term because you're getting on. You're pushing 80. And, uh, you know, it must be time to retire. So, um, I don't know. You look good. You look the part. You look a, a good statesman. You know, how to, you know how to handle the media, that's for sure. You like, like Rob Muldoon. In fact, um, Rob Muldoon, before he died, um, he, he felt that you would be, Winston Peters would be uh, the first Maori Prime Minister. And you could have been, apart from, you know, taking over after Jacinda when she got up the duff and had a baby there. Didn't didn't tell every, anybody. No one would have voted for a woman that's pregnant. Why would you do that? You know, you need someone. <laughs> Why would you even put yourself forward? Eh? It's just like crazy. And so many mentally ill pa- mental patients, people on psychiatric drugs, are in Parliament. And I've said this before, and this is, needs to happen. If you're not, you know, you shouldn't be allowed. Two things you shouldn't be allowed to do: shouldn't be allowed to own a firearm if you're on any psychiatric drugs whatsoever. Any psychiatric drugs. If you've got medical uh, psychiatric health problems shouldn't be allowed a firearm, and you shouldn't be allowed near any um, parliament. You shouldn't be allowed to be a member of parliament, and nor should you be allowed to be a member of council. You are exempt from it. What would you call it? Barred. So we don't want mental patients. Why should the taxpayer pay for mental patients to be running their government, local body, and uh, um, you know, national government? Why should we? Why should we have to pay for people like Kerry Allen, who said she suffered from medical, what do you call it, suffered from, um, um, uh, what do they call it now, mental health issues. That's what she said, quote unquote. I've suffered from mental health issues most of my adult life. Then why on earth are we allowing these people in our parliament and in our local body electorates before they can even stand as a candidate? They need to be te- have a psychological test, and it needs to be thorough, and it needs to be public. So that, and we should check for their health as well. We don't want people, you know, like kicking the bucket on us, and you have to have a by-election. You know, it all costs us money, and so these people need to be fit and healthy, like they do in America. But they need to be mentally healthy. And if there's any, if they've ever been on, I reckon if they've ever been on psychiatric drugs, discounted, because it stuffs you up. And I know that. I know it stuffs you up. And I've, I've never been on anything like that. Never would. Uh, being trained as a homeopath over 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I started my training. There is no way. I, you, and I also, I've, I know so many people that work in health. And they said, you wouldn't believe how many people are on Prozac. It's just, you know, it's like one in four. It's just crazy. And Prozac would be the worst thing you could ever give anybody. You just stay away. Don't listen to your stupid doctor who says, oh, can, would you like some tranquilizers? You know, they don't call it that, though. Oh, I can give you a little something to, you know, make it a little bit easier. No, no, you need to go through what you're going through. We all need to. You can't run away from bad things that happen in life. Life is up and down. 
and you need to deal with it. If you don't deal with it now, it'll come back and bite you on the ass later. And taking uh, psychiatric drugs is just going to prolong it, make it worse, and then it will bring in in all this other rubbish, which you don't need. So just go and do some exercise. Work with your hands. Men, get out there. The Bible says it's good for a man to work with his hands. Start working with your hands. Get out and lift a rock. (laughs) Do something. Chop some wood. I mean, far out. There's, there's, There's nothing better for a man than to go and chop down some trees. Some carry trees. <laughs> I just wind you up. Wind up the greenies. Um, no, chop down some trees. Ring them all up with your chainsaw. Wear your safety gear. Yeah, yeah, all the bells and whistles. And um, get out there. Don't go getting some machine. Don't go hiring some flipping thing. Go and get yourself a decent splitting axe. Um, I would go down and get, get, get yourself a really good splitting axe and, and chop them up on the ground. Now, a really good place to go to if you're interested in chopping your own wood, a good, a good website would be Billy Ray Smith. Look him up on YouTube, Billy Ray Smith. He's from Canada. He's a great guy. <laughs> Never once heard him mention anything about COVID all the way through it. He just pretended it wasn't happening. But um, anyway, so he cuts his wood. He's like it's like a golf swing when he's doing this. He'll he'll ring all ring them all up. You know all the you know once you've felled your tree, you cut it up. And you need to, you need to go and get yourself a decent um, one of those hooks. You know whatever you call it. Oh, what are they called? Can't remember the names of. The, Oh, it's gone from mine. Anyway, so you can roll the log over. So you can cut the log into, say, four metres, and then you can chop it up. You've got to be careful. You know what you're doing. Go and look at some videos. You learn a lot on YouTube. You don't get any truth about medical health or anything like that. That's all, you know, all garbage. Anything that it was truth has been deleted. But but it'll te- you'll know how to change the oil filter and the air filter and how to do things, you know, with your vehicle. I mean, I looked at something just yesterday. Now, what was I doing? I was doing something with the Gator, with the John Deere Gator. Had to put all new engine mounts on, and I thought, oh, how do I get this belt on? Because it seemed too small, and sure enough, it was. It was the wrong one. But anyway, so you've got to got to put the whole engine down before you put the belt on. Then you just slide it and just roll it on, and it worked. But I couldn't do it, and um, so I just looked on YouTube. But anyway, so what you do if you want you want to learn how to how to chop up properly, how to cut trees down, you've got to be careful with cutting down trees but it's good good bit of danger is good for you that's what you need men get out there and do some work or get some logs delivered and get that chainsaw going and then um, Billy Ray Smith will teach you how to cut wood you don't just sit it on and hit it from above boom you whack it like a golf swing lay it up on edge and smack it towards the outside edge all the way around it's incredible how you can split and boy will you get fit and it, I tell you what's really good if you can do a, a left hand swing and then a right hand swing that would sort you out wouldn't it but I tell you what my muscles are growing and you know and also add add to that go and eat some meat get some red meat down you you know some beef and some lamb gosh if I could get bison I'd be buying it uh, some venison anyone out there with venison let me know send me a package <laughs> I'd be quite happy to eat venison I shoot the odd rabbit but anyway get some decent meat down you that'll help you uh, the protein and that will help you grow some muscles and um you know, you'll get strong, and I tell you what, you feel so good about it. Just doing physical work. I don't know, women, you need to do some physical work as well. Get in there and clean the house, <laughs> sort of get that filthy place. Can pull the fridge out, pull the the um, the oven out, and get in there with some blimmin' vim or whatever it is, and give, give it a scrub. Get the Ajax out or whatever it is. What do they use now? They use that that nice one there. What's that nice creamy one? Jif. Yeah, give it a good, good clean up with some jiff. Get that place smelling good. So when the old man comes home, when hubby walks in the door, he goes, ah, smells clean in here. You know, get a little toothbrush going. Don't use his toothbrush, but, you know, find an old toothbrush and get the old janola and round the taps. Clean everything up. Make 
clean your house for goodness sake and cook some proper meals for hubby so that when he comes home husband hubby do you like that Oh, you must, some of you listening to me, you must, you must drive you insane, eh? You wokies. Just go and tune, just tune out, go somewhere else. I'm going to talk like this because I want to. Yep, I'm going to say all sorts of things that I want to say. Oh, it's been great. This is therapeutic for me. <laughs> but the best therapy for a man is to do physical work. Forget the gym, gym bunnies looking at yourself in the mirror. Just, you don't have to spend any money. Go and walk up a hill. But, you know, I, I find I don't like exercising. But... I like working, and um, that's the key for men. You know, it's just no point going for a walk. It's just like a waste of time, isn't it? You know, walking, <laughs> just utter waste of time. And you don't walk fast enough. Um, get onto some hill. Go and get do something that requires work. Work with your hands. I think it'd be good for a lot of men just to give up their office job, give it up, and just go and do some physical work. And okay, you might take a pay cut, but it'll be the best thing for you to do that. That's what I say anyway. That's me, Grant Edwards, having my uh, two cents worth. If you want to have, let me know. If you think I'm talking a load of rubbish, why don't you send me a text? Uh, the number is, oh, I better get the phone handy. The number is 021-732-423. 021-732-423. I've actually had quite a lot of people um, sending me nasty texts. They obviously don't like me. People don't like me. Mum says, that's all right, Grant. I remember I came home from school. I said, they don't like me, Mum. She said, that's all right, dear. Not everyone's going to like you, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, now, what have we got here? What have we got here? Oh, I've got people going on about the anti-Semites there, sending me, sending me notes. Um, what have we got? Got anything there? No, not really. Good old Avi, Avi Yemeni. He's out there uh, doing some good work. And gosh, we've got truckloads of people. I don't know whether I've got a virus or whatever. Truckloads of people. <laughs> I'm just looking at a picture of the pink-haired beach whale there, Susie Wiles. And uh, another one of Columbo, you know, scratching his head. You know, as he goes, oh, no, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Now, let me see. Uh, yeah, I had lots of hate mail recently. Let me see. I've got some fellow who's got my, he shares my name, Anthony Edwards. He's been writing me nasty things. Um, now, what did he say here? Something about the viruses. That's right. Anthony says to me, so, so what would you have done to help stop COVID? And and I don't remember Jacinda being the one, uh, sorry, Susie, and I don't remember Jacinda being the one who created the virus. All I remember is her abiding by the rules that the WHO set out of the whole world, not just New Zealand, do you think maybe all the people who died from COVID would agree with you? And I said, I said to him, well, check out these sites, Anthony, and then come back and we'll talk. And I sent him to Dr. Sam Bailey, which is com, And she's got, if you go to Dr. Sam Bailey, click on resources, go through to videos, and then viruses unplugged. She has screeds of it he goes no thanks see he's typical leftist i'd say he's just a just a um a government shrill maybe maybe not i don't know what are you doing listening to me anthony and what are you doing who who would name you my my lovely name edwards you're not good enough for the name he says no thanks i don't like to lay blame on those that don't deserve it jacinda had it hard her whole time in charge but no one gave her credit uh, there was, which was due. Bye. And I said, oh, whatever. <laughs> and then he goes, ha ha, truth hurts, doesn't it? What, what, do you, what is he talking about? He won't look at what I've just sent him. <laughs> he says, 
Um, truth hurts, doesn't it? Um, whatever, uh, he says. Uh, liberty. What a joke, he says. Look, I said, I gave you the challenge and you turned your nose up at it. You refused to look at the data negative to your position. You're exhibit A of prejudice. And he says, no challenge at all for me. I just don't believe fake news. Well, he he won't look at it. You've got, there's a wonderful guy called Sir Robert Anderson who wrote the book, The Coming Prince. And he said, what's to be said for the other side? So before we can really argue properly, before we can debate someone, we should actually know their position. We should be know it so well that we're actually able to debate it and win an argument. That's that's what I call, you know, really a real skill to know what the opposition, what their position is, and to know it so well that you can debate it and win. He, anyway, so he goes on. He's just you know sling, sling, slinging off at me. He said um, anyway. So that's basically ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, now what did I send him? Oh, I sent him one of a of a um a guy that's actually just been injured very badly he was a um he was in perth and uh, he i oh, died he had his vaccine on the 20th of october 2021 died 2 days later from a massive heart attack and so many people so many people are in denial about what's going on at the moment um we were reading over at the epoch times weren't we in health where are we et yeah i mean just look at the covid news unbelievable urinary and prosthetic uh, prosthetic, not prosthetic. Uh, prosthetic complications occur after COVID nineteen and its vaccines. And I'll just click on that story just to refresh your memory. Don't let me talk right through the news like I did before. Um, this is actually a story by Marina Zhang. She's very good. She is um, the health correspondent for Epoch, the Epoch Times. And there was a recent study in Hong Kong that found that men who were being treated for baseline lower urinary tract symptoms. Those who have had COVID-19 infection or were actually vaccinated against COVID-19 had, were of greater risk of having an enlarged prostate, which can lead to greater chances of urinary tract infections, urine retention and hematuria, that's urinating blood. Male patients affected with SARS-CoV-2 are more likely, I think really, uh, and further down it actually said they couldn't really tell the difference. It was uh, more to do with the vaccines. Uh, that's where they, they think that it is there, I reckon that the vaccines actually give you blimmin' COVID, COVID symptoms anyway. Just lowers your immunity, makes you crook, you know. And these kids up in China that have come down with pneumonia, uh, they'll all be vaccinated. You can guarantee it. They'll all be jabbed and double jabbed. Fancy doing that to a beautiful child, filling it full of poison. Don't ever give your kids these childhood vaccines. I mean, it's just outrageous, you know. They are... They the, the data shows, according to Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, it shows that vaccines are ruining the health of the West. They're driving the epidemic of neurological conditions, according to Steve Kirsch. So why don't you go over to Kirsch Substack, that's K-I-R-S-C-H, Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. You send people to these places, uh, and they never, <laughs> they never go there. You tell them about it. Half the time they never, like this idiot, Anthony Edwards, uh, who's, if you're listening, uh, Anthony, you're you're actually a, a blimmin' idiot because uh, if you had any brains, you'd go and see what the other side says, but you don't. You want to live in this, this um, you know, oh, I love Jacinda. <laughs> I don't know anyone could like what she's done to our country in the last three years. And the New Zealand public voted her out, didn't they? They voted all the leftist globalists out, and now we've voted in all the... Uh, right wing, centre right. Centre right's just a just a crazy term, isn't it? Really, think 
<laughs> centre-right. <laughs> that means you're just a fence-sitter. You've got no balls at all. And uh, I just see, is he homosexual? Um, <laughs> Luxon, were you, are you a gay boy? Because you certainly talk like it. You talk like a little woofter. You've got to man up, boy. You need to you need to earn you need to learn some some grit some some of that Winston Peters dog is what you need. You need to toughen up, mate. And uh, I don't know. You might be tough out the back there. I don't know. Who knows? Backroom boy could be tough. Got to watch out. Sometimes these little quite queer boys they can be quite vicious. Anyway, you sound like a poofter, but let's hope let's hope you and uh, and Winston Peters and Seymour will actually say what you and do what you say you're going to do. Here's the news. To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Hamas terrorist group released a third group of hostages on November 26, and Return to Israel released 39 Palestinian prisoners from its jails. Hamas on Sunday, for the first time, said it would seek to extend the deal by looking to release a larger number of hostages. The Israeli Army's chief spokesman, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, said it was open to extend the ceasefire if more hostages are released. Israel earlier said the truce can be extended by an extra day for every additional 10 hostages freed, but has vowed to quickly resume its offensive once it ends. 39 Palestinian prisoners, all young men, arrived in the West Bank on Sunday after being released by Israel in the ceasefire deal with Hamas. The release came hours after Hamas released 17 hostages that had been holding in the Gaza Strip. It was the third of four planned swaps under a ceasefire deal that is set to expire today. Tens of thousands of people, including former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, gathered in London on Sunday for a march against anti-Semitism, a day after large crowds turned out for a pro-Palestinian rally. Mr. Johnson was joined by Chief Rabbi Ephraim Mervis and other senior government officials at the march to express solidarity with the Jewish community. Organizers billed it as the largest gathering against anti-Semitism in London for almost a century. Marchers waved Israeli flags and Union Jacks and held placards reading Never Again Is Now and Zero Tolerance for Anti-Semites. A U.S. warship at the center of a dispute with the Chinese military in the South China Sea over the weekend was obeying international law, U.S. Navy commander says. According to a November 26 report, the Chinese People's Liberation Army Southern Theater Command reportedly claimed on its WeChat social media account that its naval and air forces were deployed to track, monitor, and warn away a U.S. destroyer. China's military is calling the incident proof that the United States is now now security risk creator in the South China Sea. This came days after Beijing accused Manila of enlisting foreign forces to patrol the South China Sea, referring to joint patrols by the Philippines and U.S. militaries. The Philippines and Australia also began their first joint sea and air patrols in the sea on Saturday. Ohio GOP Representative Mike Turner, chair of the House Intelligence Committee, told NBC's Meet the Press that the Israel-Hamas war is absolutely a proxy war between the U.S. and Iran. Should the U.S. take action against Iran if it continues to escalate? Well, I think we currently are taking action against their, their proxies. I Direct do think, military I, action? I do think against their proxies. I do think that the administration should step up its effort in protecting our own troops in Syria and Iraq who have been subject to attacks from Iranian proxies. But you're right. These are absolutely Iranian franchises funded, trained, and stood up as terrorist organizations to attack the West. Military costs are forcing the Israeli government to turn to debt for financing, with the country raising over $5 billion from local bonds since the start of the conflict with Hamas. According to a Bloomberg report on Thursday, the conflict is costing the Israeli economy around $270 million every day. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. 
Well, Israel's economic woes continue to get worse and worse. Right now, they're hemorrhaging about $270 million a day in terms of lost revenue. There are industries like tourism that have completely flatlined, as well as other export industries. There's manufacturing problems, labor shortages, because people are having to re-enlist in order to serve in the IDF to fight this long war. And the longer it goes, the more the pain is going to increase for the government for the state. And how are they financing this shortfall? Well, domestic bonds. And they're having to go to ask for the money at the domestic bond market. And this has been able to plug the gap somewhat, six to nine billion a month. But this is increasing the debt of the country. As a result, the debt is ballooning. And now they're going to the international money markets to raise money. So is this a sustainable war for Israel? It doesn't look like it. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick. For great looking t-shirts, hoodies, and Sweatshirts. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. So here's what you should have done if you were a Nazi and you wanted to win the war. You should have enslaved the Jews and the gypsies and had them work, right? You should have had them work for the benefit of the victory. And then if you wanted to, you liquidate them afterwards. That's the logical thing to do if you want to win. And we assume that Hitler wanted to win. But that's not a very intelligent assumption. Why would you assume that? He wasn't exactly a good guy. So why should we assume that he was aiming at the good that he was promoting, even in his own terms? You certainly don't devote a substantial proportion of your war resources while you're losing to accelerate the rate at which the extermination is taking place. Because that's a bit counterproductive, unless what you're aiming at is the maximum possible mayhem in the shortest period of time. If you can't figure out what someone's doing or why, look at the outcome and infer the motivation. If it produces mayhem, perhaps it was aiming at mayhem. Jordan Peterson there, five minutes past eight. Good morning, and uh, we're still here. We're over at the Jerusalem Post. You can find it at jpost.com. Israel, 11 Israeli hostages from Hamas, 14 Israeli hostages, three Thai nationals returned from Gaza on Sunday. 40 Israeli women, children have been reunited with their families. Very good. Hamas says it's willing to negotiate over the release of captive soldiers. Hamas leader, his name is Haya Sinwar, a nasty piece of work. He's in Qatar hiding. Uh, he spoke to hostages in Gaza, released Israeli, according to uh, Israeli, Israel, what is it? Uh, released Israeli says, what does he say? Oh, I don't know. Um, now, uh, Gaza pause extended for two days, so that's confirmed by the Jerusalem Post. Eleven captives are, are to be freed. Tonight, uh, Israel Hamas deal. These are the eleven hostages released on Monday. So they've got a, got the names and everybody there. Now, here's an analysis: Will Mossad be allowed to assassinate Hamas leaders in Qatar? And I thought, well, we better or Qatar, as some of you say. Israeli sources state that the promise of a Qatar as a as a haven may be true, but that doesn't mean that they'll be free. And uh, so it's hard to say what uh, is most unusual about Mossad and its potential plans to assassinate Hamas leadership. The Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu publicly declared that Mossad would go after them wherever they are in the world, usually an order uh, given secretly. That is a story that was leaked, that they would not be targeted in in Qatar, uh, where many of them currently reside. Uh, but they may be killed anyway. On Wednesday, last Wednesday, Netanyahu held a press conference together with the Defence Minister Yov Gallant and National Unity Party War Minister Benny Gantz, they publicly stating that they had 
ordered the Mossad to act against the leaders of Hamas, including outside of Gaza. Referring to the then impending temporary ceasefire deal, he claimed that there is no commitment in the agreement to not act in a truce against the leaders of Hamas, whoever they are. Gallant specifically cited Hamas's leadership outside of Gaza, such as Ishmael Hanahi and Khaled Mashal, saying that they are living on borrowed time. They're dead men walking all over the globe. They are all dead men. Next, French journalist Georges uh, Mabrunon from the Le Figaro. He reported in his sources that Netanyahu, from his sources, that Netanyahu pledged to uh, Qatar that uh, uh, Israel <laughs> Israel would not act against the leaders of Hamas living in Qatar. But I don't know about that. According to Le Figaro, Qatar received assurances from Israel that the Mossad would not carry out assassinations on its soil and that Doha presented its recondition or a precondition rather to Israel a few weeks ago before assuming its role as a mediator in the abductee issue. The Jerusalem Post has since directly confirmed that Israel made commitments to Qatar on this issue, though some Israeli officials who might be expected to know about such a commitment have, have pleaded ignorance. Then again, there are vast examples where Netanyahu issued orders on national security issues without even some of the top defence officials knowing about them, such as the decision to order additional nuclear-powered submarines from Germany, which led to Case 3000, the submarine affair. A spokesman for the Prime Minister's office denied the report, saying the opposite was true. And referring to Netanyahu's public instruction to Mossad that all Hamas leaders are on notice of potential assassination. It might also be true, but that would. Um, but what would this mean if it was true? First of all, there are a number of top Hamas uh, regularly in Lebanon and Turkey, uh, who are not frequently. They don't frequently visit Iran. Uh, sometimes Syria and other countries. Uh, okay, uh, So leaving Qatar for a safe haven for Hamas would not preclude targeting some of their top leaders. So, yeah, but some say they are in Qatar. Uh, in fact, more of them may be in Qatar in the future. Israel has failed to crack down on Hamas Gaza chief Haya Sinwar and its, its military uh, chief Mohammed Def despite taking over all key parts of northern Gaza, where they were likely to have been resided until recently. So I would say they are going to be, they are dead men walking. And, uh, you know, we've looked, we've looked at what Israel does when they got rid of all those, um, they came after all those Nazis, the Nazi hunters, you know, some of them quite, quite uh, not recently, but because they're all pretty old men now. But they went to South America, didn't they? Um and they, they got these people, they brought them back. Some of them they took back to Israel and tried them. And I don't know whether they put them in jail, executed them. Some of them they just assassinated right there and then. But I would say that these leaders of, of um, Gaza, uh, these Hamas leaders, they are finished. They are dead men walking. Uh, Gazan, who escaped to Israel, converted to Judaism, shares his story. That's a nice wee story if you go over to jpost.com. Freed Israeli hostages escaped Gaza ruins. Far-right Dutch politician Wilders is slammed for Jordan, uh, for Jordan is Palestine claim. Slammed for Jordan is Palestine claim. That's what he said, apparently. Uh, better have a look at it. Now I've mentioned it. Um, he's a... Uh, 
they call him a Wilders radical, although unoriginal proposal, uh, is that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict could be resolved by relocating Palestinians to Jordan, denying their right to an independent sovereign state. No, they should. They're all flippant Egyptians anyway. That's where they need to go. They need to get out of there. And if you look at the Bible, the Bible says that uh, that land is for the Jew. The Jews are going to have all that. And we've got funny Christians out there that, you know, think the Jews that are there now, the ones that came from Europe, that the state of Israel that was set up in 1948 isn't part of a biblical prophecy. They seem to sort of, I don't know whether their eyes glaze over when they're reading Ezekiel 36 in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36. Pretty clear. Read through that. Even the dry, the dry bones one. Uh, the dry bones prophecy in Ezekiel 37. Uh, then they say, oh, you know, they're not Jews. Jews are from Judea, Judea or whatever. No, no, no. Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin and he called himself a Jew. So you find that in Romans chapter 11. So this, all this nonsense, usually it comes from anti-Semites, you know, you know, like people that are neo-Nazis. I mean, I think there's people like even, oh, I better not say, better not say. Ruin the relationship. I'm good at re- ruining relationships. Why is that? Because I stand for the truth. That's why I toasted some Nazi, some kraut that was um, having ha- having dinner with uh, on Saturday night, and much much of other guests, um, you know, they didn't like it, trying to shut me up. Uh, but you know, she said there was a mistake in this. Mis- oh, there's contradictions in the Bible. Oh, really? Which ones? Which Bible are you referring to? Which are you referring? And wh- where are these mistakes? Oh, well, I don't know. Well, why would you make such a claim if you haven't actually, if you don't know that for sure? Why would you do that? So grilled her a bit. Anyway, so she's a leftist. <laughs> she thinks it's great that all the all these North African, um, you know, that um, Angela Merkel brought all these North African Muslims in and ruined the ruined the place. Actually, stuffed up Germany, and she knows it. And they're still in denial. Some of these leftists. She's a flippin' school teacher, you know, middle aged school teacher, over in OE here in New Zealand, and um, you know, her country's stuffed. And she's thinking about coming here. Don't you dare come here. We don't need any more leftist teachers. Thank you very much. We need to get rid of all the leftist teachers. All the communists need to get out of teaching. And we need to have our kids taught properly. So the government's got their work cut out. I'll tell you what, they've got to go right through through that whole education department. That needs to be torn apart and rebuilt. All of the government departments need to be completely dis- 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 disintegrated. Disseminated. What do you know? Not disseminated. They need to be demolished and rebuilt with thinking people uh, and not and not have all these flippin' trolls from the United Nations which have crept into our... Uh, it's really the deep state, isn't it? Our bureaucracy, the government departments, uh, they they show off. I spoke to one lady who was in the Justice Department and she was sort of like bragging to me that basically they control the government. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Labour or National. They give them their talking points. That's what she was saying. I hope that's not true. Probably is. Probably we've just got we've just voted in some new actors, haven't we, to run the corporation for us. That's what a lot of people are saying. Anyway, I better go. It's quarter past, and uh, I've got um, sheep to do. Um, yep, we've got sheep. We've got sheep shearing coming up. Get onto it. And it looks as though um, with um, council, you know, councils wanting to change regional councils or whoever they are trying to stop people from farming stock, uh, running stock on the hills. Um, they'll probably allow sheep, I would think. They don't do too much harm. Um, and so we'll probably have to diversify into sheep milking anyway. <laughs> oh, it's a shambles. They do anything to get you off the land, these commies. And the fascists, I don't think, will be any better. The ones that are running the show now. Come on, Winston. You know, Why don't you prove to us that you really are um, a truthful person? Let's see it. I want to see it. I'm not convinced. 
all these people that have voted for you. It's all like we, we get amnesia once, once every three years and we vote you back in. It's just just nuts. But well, you're a sly old fox, but let, let me see you be honest for a moment. Go out on a good note that you turned over a new leaf, that you're actually here for New Zealand and not for Winston. It's not Winston first, but New Zealand first. Why don't you um, stand up, live up to the name that you've given your party. 17 past 8, that's my lot. I'll see you again tomorrow morning, Lord willing, if I if I make it, if I don't get assassinated in the meantime. Um, here is a Jewish guy, um, not all that fussed with him. He's on Piers Morgan's program. His name is Yuval Noah Harari, and uh, he's got some weird and wacky ideas. He's actually part of the World Economic Forum as well. He's probably tipped to take it over, so I don't trust him. I wouldn't trust him with a... F- well, with a four-foot barge pole, let alone a 40-foot barge pole. But here he is, and he's kind of making a bit of sense on this one, but I suppose they'd have to, wouldn't they? So we'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. People, for instance, talk a lot these days, and, and for many years, and for good reasons, about the suffering of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who lost their homes in 1948. Mm. Few people know that as a result of the 1948 war, also hundreds of thousands of Jews lost their homes in retaliation for the war, uh, Jewish communities all over the Middle East, in Arab countries, in Egypt, in Iraq, in Yemen, in Syria, the largest group of people now living in Israel are Jews that were expelled as refugees as a result of the 1948 war. Now, does this justify what happened to the Palestinians? No. Does this justify the Israeli occupation and the mistreatment of Palestinians there? Absolutely not. And we shouldn't use historical injuries to justify more injuries. (laughs) The wireless. I love sleeping in on Saturdays and I love